0: find me this, even banks, you go in and you can deposit a check if anyone still uses paper and you're offered to have some sort of candy or some flavored coffee. I mean, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere.
1: Yeah, it is everywhere. And it's so funny because I used to be a very overweight kid and mm. I couldn't go to the grocery store anywhere without like grabbing some candy. If I would see it, like if I saw a chocolate bar something, like I would just like beg my mom, like, I really want that. Right. And like, I would mm. get it. And today. I don't even like notice it, honestly. Like it's, it's nice to be at this point, right? Like I go to the grocery store, every time you're like in the checkout lane, what it's all snacks right there next to you, mm-hmm. right? Like I really don't even notice it. If I go anywhere, like I never really get any snacks. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dr. Joey Munoz show. Today's episode is an incredible conversation I had with a friend of mine, E.C. Sinkowski. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Anyways, E.C. is an incredible coach. She's been working well she spent years really working with high level athletes working with crossfit and now she owns her own coaching company has her own nutrition focused podcast and she's one of the people that I really respect in terms of the quality of information that she's posting on social media In this episode we really talked a ton about her particular pillars of healthy nutrition okay, so she's identified 10 different pillars a lot of those pillars are Many of the things that I talk about on this show on a regular basis, energy balance, food choices, nutrient timing, et cetera. But she has some really interesting ones in there that sparked some really great conversation, right? Some of those were talking about perfection and dichotomous thinking. Some of those were you know the the real reason why most diets can work, but most diets can also fail. And so it was a very, very enjoyable conversation. I'd say. It was fairly nuanced, but also a ton of practical, easy, implementable information that you guys can use to improve your health, improve your nutrition, improve your fitness, and overall body composition. Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, we all want to look a little bit better. We all want to be a little bit leaner, show off the abs for the summer, even though the summer is almost over. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Before we get into it, if you guys have been enjoying the podcast so far, I would really appreciate if you just took a couple seconds to rate the podcast and leave a review. Let me know what you enjoy. Let me know what you'd like to see in the future. If you guys are watching or listening on YouTube, I would really appreciate if you take a second to subscribe to my channel and give this video a thumbs up because it helps me with the YouTube algorithm. Anyways, guys, I will stop rambling on now. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy the show. What's up, EC? How are you? Thank you for being here today.
0: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Of course. Well, you and I connected, what? Probably a couple months, if not a couple months, maybe over a year ago now, but you had me on your podcast a couple months ago and we talked about protein (laughs) exclusively a lot. (laughs) Um, Totally. And that was a really enjoyable podcast. And I really appreciate you for having me on there as well. So I wanted to have another conversation with you to talk about other nutrition related um, topics. That's not just protein, right?
0: There's something else besides protein, I guess. (laughs) It's so
1: funny because I've been, I've made several posts in the past couple months about fiber and, you know, I coming from like uh, a muscle building background, where all I cared about was building muscle. Like my whole life has been protein, protein, protein. Right. And then the more I read about fiber, looked at different population-based studies, I'm like, man, like, yes, we still need to focus on protein, but people really need to focus on fiber. Um, It seems to be the main nutrient that's associated with health improvements across the board for everything, right? Cardiovascular disease, diabetes, all-cause mortality. Um, It's just not like a sexy nutrient like protein, (laughs) right? It's like, oh, eat more fiber. It's not, not that fun. Is fiber something you really focus on with a lot of your clients?
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's I actually have a podcast coming out in a few weeks and uh, I'll, I'll give the spoiler now. The title is called The Most Underrated Nutrient and it's about fiber. And uh, And I agree with you. It's like find the outcome that you want. Fiber is going to be associated with it. It's kind of like resistance training, right? Or exercise. It's like yeah. it, it always is showing up. And so do I focus on with clients? It certainly is. But one of the studies that I was looking at with fiber, they actually separated out what happened to people's outcomes with fiber supplements versus fiber and whole foods. Mm -hmm. And they found that the effects of course were better in whole foods. And so I do focus on it, but it's often by way of like increasing fruits and veggies in the diet as as you've probably seen on some of my postings. And so I kind of focus on it by way of the foods people are eating versus just fiber itself.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense, right? Because you're getting all of these additional nutrients in those foods. Um, You know, it's so funny because I guess this is a, a slightly related topic. When we talk about like, eat more fruits and vegetables, eat more fiber, inherently people always ask, can I take a fiber supplement? Can (laughs) I take a multivitamin? Can I take a greens powder? Uh, And the answer is sure, you can take those things, right? There's no harm to them. They probably have some benefit. But the thing with like multivitamins, for example, that people don't realize or think about is like those multivitamins contain the vitamins and minerals that we've been able to establish that are essential Based off the research that we currently have, fruits, vegetables, all types of foods are composed of hundreds, if not thousands of other molecules, right? That perhaps aren't vital or essential to our survival, but they do have positive health benefits, right? And that's actually a lot of the work that I did during my PhD because my Mm. professor really looked at like the functional effects of foods, right? And we studied a ton of like phytonutrients um which funny enough people want to say are bad and will kill you like the whole defense chemical thing right but these nutrients seem to have potent health benefits whether they're antioxidative benefits anti-inflammatory things or anti-inflammatory effects and you just don't get that when you have a multivitamin or a fiber supplement and then on top of that the supplement doesn't really help with hunger and satiety regulation the way food (laughs) does which is something that uh we really emphasize for overall health right
0: yeah, it's sort of a trip in a world full of optimization. It's like you're leaving all of these thousands of phytochemicals on the table by having the phyto by having the multivitamin. And so yeah, we got the whole weight thing and not satiety thing, but it's like, guys, if you want to optimize, this is the best chance that we know of optimization, is is cast this wide net across these thousands of phytochemicals, which gosh knows what they're all doing, but they seem yeah. to be health protective.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. What do you what do you say to a client if they say, I don't like vegetables?
0: Hmm yeah to me it's definitely kind of most things have kind of a double-edged sword or or two different approaches some of it in the beginning especially if they're coming from a standard american diet and this is their first attempt at a whole foods diet i'm like great let's talk about fruit and we'll just we'll work our way in through strawberries and pineapple or watermelon or whatever it needs to be and then there is just a level two of being straight with clients who um maybe have been around for a little while. And it's like, guys, this is also just a healthy food. Like there are things in life that we do that we don't always love. Yeah. Now, I do believe that you can be healthy and cover your bases, as you know, probably through grains, nuts, fruit, meat and all of that stuff. So there's certainly ways around it. But there is a has to be a little bit of truth for people that it's like, yeah. And some of the changes that you want require doing things that maybe you don't love right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's about gradual exposure, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, sure, maybe you don't like I think oftentimes it comes to like uh, perhaps lack of effort in that particular area of their nutrition, right? Because, Mm -hmm. and I I think this is really relatable. Like a lot of people don't like vegetables, quote unquote. And sure, maybe you don't like some types of vegetables, but there's such a wide array of vegetables, right? And one thing I like to share with my clients, like, hey, maybe we don't have to have it in the most like unprocessed, healthy form possible. We can work on getting there. Like if adding some Parmesan cheese to your broccoli and baking the hell out of it, helps you eat it like that's probably a good thing right totally. and then we can slowly work what I mean I'm saying this from experience I didn't eat vegetables until I was in my 20s seriously wow <laughs> um, I was force-fed as a kid as bad as that sounds to eat certain vegetables and I hated it my mom would always put like a serving of veggies on my plate and I was I had to eat it like I was not allowed to get mm. on the table and I I never developed a taste for them and it was usually like raw right so it was a right. whole tomato or like uh, avocado or something like that. And I just didn't really like the taste. And then just organically, I, I started really liking cooking. And then I saw mm. these recipes for like different types of vegetables. And my in to like eating more vegetables was roasting the hell out of them. Yeah. Right? So like super high heat, drizzle with olive oil, salt and pepper, throw totally. them in the oven. And it tastes amazing. And then slowly over time, as like your palate gets used to it, you can just do that less and less. And you get to the point where you could eat them mm-hmm. A lot closer to their like original form right because i won't lie i cannot eat like raw broccoli or anything like that i know some people love it i cannot do it but i don't need as much stuff as i used to to be able to eat it and the other aspect of it like you mentioned is just being open to doing these things i remember i think it was i think it was i think it was adrian or maybe it was spencer Nadolski or something like that that said um you know nobody like liked alcohol the first time they had it mm-hmm. obviously totally. very different context there but for some reason people want to drink and so they try it again right. and again eventually it's not that bad right same thing with, same vegetables, with it, black
0: yeah black coffee too yeah, yeah i mean i think the other thing to think about it for uh vegetables is people always are asking me oh gosh how many vegetables should i eat versus fruit and am i eating too much fruit versus vegetables we have to remember as well that like. When we have the larger serving sizes of things like potatoes or beans Mm -hmm. or fruit, we often beat the micronutrients we might consume from a single serving of leafy greens. And so this is why I really don't like to just focus on, oh, vegetables are the pinnacle of health, because oftentimes we can do better when we have these larger serving sizes and vegetables for people typically end up being relatively small serving sizes. So certainly. I love your points about gradually working up to it, but also just recognizing that they're not like the only thing to eat yeah. to help with a healthy diet, right?
1: You know, one food group that I think is so under consumed that is incredibly I'm not gonna say important, but healthy, would be legumes. Right. <laughs> For some reason, like I guess here in the US, like be maybe I'm wrong, but like beans are just not that popular compared to other cultures. I'm Hispanic. We we eat beans with every meal, like every single meal growing up had rice and black beans for me. Mm-hmm. And it's such a different culture shift, I guess. Like We just don't really eat beans like that. And beans are certainly higher in fiber than most fruits and vegetables. They're high in protein. They're high in a ton of nutrients. Um, and that's one one thing I really like to recommend to people. It's like, hey, just have more beans. And then people talk about like, oh, they take time to prepare like canned beans are bad for you because canned food is bad it's like no it really doesn't matter right (laughs) um do you do you consume a lot of beans personally
0: i don't know if i'd say a lot but i certainly do add them at least a few times a week um but not every meal but yeah they are great and i i love them too because of how economical they are you know, when people talk yeah. about how 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 eating healthy is so expensive, I'm like, I'm not sure if you're aware of things like bananas and beans. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a um, and cheap protein, right? Even though it's a plant based source protein, um, but it's like bulking on a budget. That's what I used to eat when I was in college. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think back on my diet and I was like, wow, I was broke. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of black beans, and a lot ramen, of maybe
1: a lot of canned beans. A lot of canned chicken, which, like, I will never have another can of chicken. Um, a lot of those, like, uh, tuna packets. At the end of the day, it was, like, yeah. super healthy. But, like, just the cheapest healthy food I can find. And you're right. Like, if you, for people who are really on a budget, you can realistically eat very healthy for, like, 10 or 15 bucks per day max. Right? Probably. Like, 15 bucks, you can get some pretty good food. Yeah. You just can't be sure. eating, like, steak and stuff, unfortunately. It's funny. When I was... Uh, When I was going through that in undergrad, my, okay, I know it's not the best from a dietary standpoint, but I love steak. And I used to always say, I know I've made it financially when I can eat steak every day. And not just any steak, like I really like ribeyes. So I'm like, if I could eat ribeye every day, um, and then. I don't do that cuz it's just too much. But <laughs> but I was like, man, I can't wait till the day where I don't have to eat any more canned chicken or any more canned chicken. So, thankfully I don't. Eat those you've made really it. Anymore.
0: Yeah, you've made it.
1: Yeah, my my definition of success in life.
0: That's
1: awesome. Um anyways, you see, one thing I really wanted to talk about uh, is your 10 principles of nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. Because those are kind of like the philosophies that you use to guide your coaching and your overall uh, approach to nutrition right totally and they're absolutely fantastic you and i obviously see eye to eye on pretty much all of these um and i've covered a ton of these in previous podcasts you know a lot of these are mainly associated with energy balance food choices to the extent that they influence energy balance you talk about nutrient density which is Mm -hmm. how many micronutrients are in foods and that's obviously beneficial for your health for the reasons that we've been talking about. One thing I really like that you mentioned is that timing matters to the to the extent that it affects food choices and food quantity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a great point. I think there is one more thing there where like, there's some good research showing that people who just like eat more early in the day tend to have slightly higher mm-hmm. energy expenditure too. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I'm sure you probably... Say the same thing to your clients when they talk about fasting right Mm. it's like oh i fast because i get hungry at night it's like well if you maybe gave eating more food earlier in the day uh, a real shot you might not feel as hungry later in the day and you might actually burn slightly more calories because you feel better you move more right so there's a couple of nuances there with nutrient timing that i really like to emphasize um even like i guess this isn't timing but regularity with meals Super mm. important, right? People don't even focus on that mainly. And some of those things, if you could really eat more whole foods, eat a little bit more protein and fiber, eat at regular times, have breakfast, eat less at night, like <laughs> that covers ninety-nine percent of it and it's so simple, right? But there are I
0: wonder how go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. I, no, 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 say, you go I wonder ahead, how many um I just wonder how like some of that stuff, I wonder how much of the value is the caloric contribution you're eating and how much of the value is the person has developed consistency in their diet. You know, it's just like I have the breakfast and then I have the lunch and then I have the dinner and I just have this schedule versus like I'm not eating and then I'm so hungry I face plant into whatever. And so for me, that's where some of this stuff I think gets a little bit nuancey. It's just sort of like, I think what you just said is awesome and perfect. And I think a lot of the value is because the person's developed the habit and the routine. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's not an
1: inherent benefit of like having a regular like eating at regular times doesn't make you burn more fat right, right but it lets you right. be prepared how totally. many times 100%. do people like oh it's lunchtime and i haven't prepared anything and now i'm really hungry and so i'm just going to eat the first thing that's available 100%. right and unfortunately yeah i'll i will say unfortunately this stuff takes work and effort right like that's yeah. the one thing that we can't get around doesn't matter if you have the best recommendations the best coach like it still requires effort and that's one thing mm-hmm. I actually added that in my inquiry form for when a mm-hmm. client signs up with me. It's like, if you work with me, do you promise to put in the work and effort that's required? Yes or no. And then I can hold mm-hmm. them accountable by showing them their inquiry form. If like, they're not doing that right. Because that's like the one piece that people don't think about. They're like, Oh, right. just tell me what to eat. Oh, just this or that. Or like, give me the plan. It's like, yeah, but you actually need to execute <laughs> on this plan. <laughs> right. And just like putting <laughs> the oh. effort to make sure at least you're, well-prepared to have a regular meal schedule and all of those things definitely helps. Like you mentioned, it's mainly the habit. And again, if you are prepared, if you have meals at similar times, you're less likely to just like go off plan, right? And not that going off plan every every once in a while is a bad thing, but if you can stay consistent more times than not, that's obviously gonna be super helpful. Um, There were three principles that really stood out to me and I'm looking at them here on your social media Mm -hmm. now. The main one, the, the first one I should say that I wanna talk about is um all diets control quantity to varying levels of precision i really want to talk about this because Mm -hmm. it's a statement that encompasses the main reason as to why all diets can be effective right maybe at least in the short term do you mind touching on that point
0: yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, so just a little bit of backdrop. I mean, some of these principles kind of came to be after I had tried every tr- trendy diet out there and didn't really yeah. understand what was going on. And then of course, went on to further my education. And now I understand things a little bit better, but it was like sort of trying to put the pieces together of why do some people have wild success when they do intermittent fasting and I didn't? Why do some people have wild success when they do macros and so on? And so, yeah, it's just basically comes down to caloric control, as you know, that yeah. you can um, achieve a a caloric deficit or a caloric balance based on the various foods that you choose. And that's what this is really trying to help people understand is that ultimately these different diets and these different rules will often get after a weight or a health goal simply by cutting out foods. And then therefore they reduce their calories. But if you're not counting them, you might not, this is how you can do fasting and you might not cut calories. This is how you can do no sugar and you might not cut calories. Um, and ultimately you know, you don't have as much precision there and therefore you might not get the outcome you want.
1: Yeah. So what are some of these main um we won't go over like every popular diet, but like the main sure. categories, right? We've got yeah. fasting, low carb, etc. Um, let's totally. talk a little bit about those and like essentially how is it that each of those end up just mm-hmm. restricting calories, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the fasting one takes those hours off the clock, right? I have less opportunities to make a poor decision because I'm not allowed to eat between these certain number of hours. And, you know, to be honest, I have a love-hate relationship with fasting. I get it. If that, if it was just so simple and if you have the results that you want there and you're getting adequate nutrition when you eat, I sort of love it because of its simplicity. But I'm sure, as you've seen with some of your clients, you know, what they're eating during their feed window is either counteracting their goals or just not even coming close to what they need. And so therefore we probably need to get more precise when you start looking at what we're actually eating um, low carbs also kind of the classic one maybe the extreme carnivore but you know the foods that we overeat are these processed ones that have carbs in them carbs yeah. and fat but when you cut out the carbs you cut out the calories and so this is how a lot of us yeah. can see results there but you might end up eating too much butter and steak yeah <laughs> and so the calories might not actually reduce overall and You know, I I like people to actually do the least amount of work to get the results they want. Yeah. So this is why if somebody has awesome success with fasting, more power to you, even low carb, more power to you. But we just have to recognize, hey, what I want comes from controlling calories. And if I'm not where I want to be, and I've done these X, Y, and Z diets, well, maybe it's time to actually start looking at the factor that controls the result, you know, and actually maybe count calories or macros.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you brought up some great points. It's like any diet can result in weight loss or weight gain, right? Mm -hmm. And you can manipulate the amount of food you eat to achieve either or. There is no such thing as a weight loss diet, a diet that inherently causes you to lose weight. And that's like what people are after, right? Like, Mm. what's the best weight loss diet? Oh, this one didn't work. I'm going to try that one. And, you know, I don't think any of these things are inherently bad. Like, I think the, the issue is one, the way they're marketed Mm -hmm. and two, when people follow these diets without understanding the things that we're talking about, Exactly, because then when they don't see success, they're like, something is wrong with me. And it's like, no, there's nothing wrong with you. Like you just, we're still just eating too much. Like it's not the diet. Right. Um, and so that's why I'm, I'm really big on like talking about hunger and satiety regulation and what Mm -hmm. dietary changes you can make to, to influence those. That's really like my bread and butter when I talk about nutrition, because I think that's a great starting place. And even Mm -hmm. if you just focus on hunger and satiety regulation, the choices that you have to make to improve hunger and satiety, improve the nutritional density of your diet, right? Totally. So I've tried a number of things too. And that was probably perhaps earlier when I didn't know much, right? Um, I've tried low carb diets, they're miserable. I like carbs, but I'll say this. I personally rather do a low carb diet than a low fat diet Mm because I like eating fattier foods naturally. Right. I love avocados. I eat a ton of avocados. I like, uh, fattier sources of meat. Like I don't like chicken breast. I will eat a chicken thigh. Right. So for me, like doing low fat would be very difficult. And, um, again, I forgot who says this, but essentially like at the end of the day, restriction is necessary, but you should Mm. pick the form of restriction that feels less least restrictive to you. Right. And if you want to follow any sorts of sort of diet, like a named diet, there's nothing inherently wrong with them unless they, for some reason, just like completely miss your nutritional needs. Right. We're like a carnivore diet, like just don't do that. Right. But like, if you do a carnivore ish diet and you're still eating some fruits and vegetables, like arguably not that bad for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps we can talk about some risks, but arguably relatively healthy diet, right? Um, the whole thing is like picking what feels good for you in your lifestyle. Similar to you, I've used intermittent fasting. I love it, right? It's not the first, like you said, it's a double-edged sword. It's not the first place that I would start with somebody who's brand new to this stuff, because like I really do think it's important for people to develop the behaviors that we were talking about. Like having regularity with your meals, eating earlier in the day, because from a population standpoint, those behaviors do seem to result in better body composition outcomes. And then when you start to work on those things, if you want to tailor it a little bit more, tailor with your timing because of your schedule or your preferences, whatever, that's fine. Um, Yeah, I've really enjoyed fasting because it's easy to just not eat for a period of time. You do get used to it from like hunger standpoint right if you don't eat till noon for like two weeks then you just won't really get hungry till noon but then again like people just like rely on that right and then if they're fasting and they for some reason eat outside of their eating window they think they've like fully screwed up
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think there's also an interesting um what's the word i'm looking for justification people give themselves after they've been fasting it's like well i was just fasting Mm -hmm. for 12 Eighteen hours, we'll say instead twelve is not that many. I deserve now this box of donuts or something like that. I think that starts to come with this justifications that don't occur when we have a more regular meal schedule. But um, yeah, totally agree on all the points yeah. you said.
1: Yeah, or there is just less consideration about food choices because totally. hey, I am just doing this fasting thing, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One thing I have realized with fasting that's difficult is getting sufficient protein. Bringing mm-hmm. it back to protein, right? <laughs> because even with in. a regular meal schedule and eating throughout the day, like. Eating adequate protein, not that it's hard, but just like most people don't. So making sure that you focus on sufficient protein for people who don't focus on protein is hard enough, like eating regularly throughout the day. I can only imagine if you're only eating six hours a day, right, becomes exponentially more difficult. Like I try to eat about 200 grams of protein per day. I could not imagine doing that in six hours. (laughs) It would be tough, like I'd do it, but there'd probably be like two or three scoops of protein powder in there, right? Totally. Um, So that's definitely an important consideration as well. But yeah, I'm really happy that that's one of your pillars, because it's a really important point that I feel like oftentimes is missed. The The next point that I really want to talk mm. about that is really interesting is the universal diet problem is processed food. This is one thing I talk about a ton from a hunger and satiety standpoint, mm. right? Yeah. You mind touching on this a little bit?
0: Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I could eliminate all the 10 principles and just list number eight as <laughs> what you just read. <sighs> the universal promise. Straight
1: up. Probably. Processed.
0: Yeah probably right i mean you know find me the person who's overeating turkey breast and clementines i I haven't worked with them right um and so even for people who you know just want to quote lean out or just want to get a little healthy or achieve a certain weight for um fitness reasons not just for true weight loss it's still the same thing it's still the same thing they're going to cut out the brownies the chips the alcohol whatever it is it's never oh shoot you know just had too much celery today
1: yeah Um, that's a great point yeah
0: (laughs) you know i've had people be like oh i'm eating too much fruit i don't know if you saw a post i did where basically people would have to eat 3200 grams by weight of fruit to equal one pint of ice cream in terms of calories and it's like no you're not i mean maybe we could come up with some really wacky scenario where one person out of eight billion of us are doing it but you're not yeah 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 um, and so yeah, it just comes back to these processed foods that are all too easy to overeat. And and I I also wanted to show some empathy with it in the sense that it is influenced by our modern food environment, right? Like one of the things I like to point out to my clients is it's it's constant. Like you can't go buy um electro you know, to an electronic store or to a home goods store and be tempted. To have the caramel popcorn or the candy bar yeah it's literally everywhere and once you see it you can't unsee it like find me this even banks you go in and you can deposit a check if anyone still uses paper and you're offered to have some sort of candy or some flavored coffee i mean it's everywhere it's absolutely everywhere
1: yeah it is everywhere and it's so funny because i don't know and i was just talking about this on the last podcast that i recovered that not that i recovered that i recorded that i haven't published yet but I used to be a very overweight kid and mm. I couldn't go to the grocery store anywhere without like grabbing some candy if I would see it like if I saw a chocolate bar or something like I would just like beg my mom like I really want that right and like mm. I would get it. And today I don't even like notice it. Honestly, mm. like it's it's nice to be at this point right like I go to the grocery store every time you're like in the checkout lane what it's all snacks right there next to you mm-hmm. right? I really don't even notice it. If I go anywhere, like I never really get any snacks, but it is very common for people to do that, right? Like my wife loves candy. If we go to the grocery store, if we go to the gas station, she walks in and she sees like Skittles or something, she just gets it. Cause like, I don't know, it just like really calls her attention, right? Um, it's, it's hard for me to pinpoint why I've had that shift or mm-hmm. what helped me have that shift. But yeah. if people can have that shift, It's so powerful.
0: How old were you when you when this change sort of happened?
1: Well, I was overweight all the way until like, I was most overweight, probably around 13. Mm -hmm. And then it's funny because the way I was brought up in terms of like, my relationship with food Based off like the way my so I I grew up in a single parent household with my mom and everything that she did with me diet wise is what everybody says you shouldn't do, (laughs) right? And not from food choices, but like the way you influence your child's behaviors, right? Like Mm. I was forced to eat certain things. I never had a choice. Like I was like, "This is your dinner plate. You are eating this. You are not getting out of the table until you eat this." Right up Mm -hmm. from the table, I should say. Um, when I was overweight, it's like you are overweight, you are fat, you have to do exercise, you have to diet for a Mm. whole year. Like my dinner was just rotisserie chicken and nothing else when I was like 13 Mm. or 14. And so those are all things that are very extreme and I would not recommend to any parent and I would not parent that way at all. But I think it had some effectiveness, right? I think some people react well to that and some people don't. And the people that don't react to it poorly like very poorly, perhaps, and have very adverse outcomes, right? Whereas some people, perhaps, I don't know, for whatever particular reason, whether it's genetics or environmental or whatever, can kind of roll with that and be pretty fine. And I fortunately feel like I fall into the latter. I I was mm-hmm. listening to the uh, to the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. Have you seen that one? Oh, no, I should no not. No,
0: I no? Haven't.
1: it's great. But he was talking cool. about how his parents, like, it was. His upbringing was horrible, essentially, like mm. parents were really, really tough, uh, abusive, I think both verbally and physically. I could be wrong there, but just like mm. very rough upbringing. Right. And he was like, I've always been mentally strong since I was a kid. And I thrived in that environment. Mm. And his brother, he said, just by nature was a much more sensitive, much mm-hmm. more emotional person. And I think his brother took his own life. Um mm later in adulthood now it's hard to pinpoint if that's the only reason why but Arnold certainly thinks that the way they were brought up influenced his brother significantly differently than it did him and mm. they became widely different people because of it right mm. um, We're g- going completely off topic here but it's really <laughs> cool to it's cool how like different people react differently to different things. Like, yeah.
0: Some people need that tough love and other people it's, it's not the right thing at all.
1: Yeah, certainly. And I, I'm sure you see it with clients too. Like I have clients who literally hire me and tell me like, be mean to me, tell me what I need to do. And I'm like, listen, I'm not gonna do that. Cause that's just not me. Like I'm not a mean person, <laughs> right. but I will tell you what you need to do. Right. Like I'll be more dry and like straight up with you and like other clients you need to beat around the bush a little bit more, be a lot more, um, encouraging perhaps. Right. But going back to what we were saying (laughs) about like going into places, not even realizing um, snacks and stuff. I don't know where that transition was. I don't know if Mm -hmm. it was just because I was really into fitness Mm -hmm. and thinking back on it now, I never felt like I was really restrictive or had a a quote unquote bad relationship with food. But like when, when I was probably 18, 19, 20, early twenties, and I was really into fitness Um, I tried eating as clean as possible and all of these Mm -hmm. things, and I just avoided all these things altogether. And now I'm a lot more balanced and I'm fine having candy and stuff like that. It just doesn't like really call my attention. I don't know. How are you with that?
0: I think, um, you know, I never have had like a significant, uh, change with nutrition, which is actually one of the reasons I think now it helps me in the sense of what I'm sure you've noticed that there's some influencers who I think they have a major change with that one diet. And so they think that one diet is magical when it doesn't allow them to step back and see, okay, well, why was it? It was I cut calories and increased quality, right? So I never had a, a, whatever, a transformation with any Mm -hmm. of the diets, which kind of now comes across probably in some of how I approach nutrition. But what I love what you said about the fitness thing, and I know that's what you preach to your clients, and that's a big part of my, um, my clientele as well, is I really do think fitness is the gateway drug, for lack of better word, to good nutrition because it really yeah. starts to develop that belief and interest in to be able to create that habit change. And you start to see results there. And I think maybe you disagree, but I think it's easier for people to make a hit habit change in terms of fitness, because it's just less time in the day than it is for nutrition. And it's almost like, that's the way that they then get hooked on nutrition. And, you know, I used to work for CrossFit, and nutrition is that's kind of like the bottom of their foundation in mm. the sense of like, and it's so true. You see all these people succeeding with fitness, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. What about diet?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And I've never even thought about it from that perspective, but I was thinking mm. about my own experience as you were talking there, and it makes perfect sense, right? Because I was so attached to like my performance in the gym, I really cared about it, right? And so then you start to think uh, like, Oh, I could have that food or I could have this food. And this is probably going to help me a little bit more with my performance and building muscle and all that stuff, which I really care about. Right. So I love, I love what you said about thinking of fitness as a gateway drug to healthy nutrition because it also, the like mindset is so important, right? The way you think about your behaviors. And although you are restricting more, perhaps, of certain foods, the reason you're doing it is not to be purposefully restricted, exactly. but it's because. It's not that I'm not going to eat that because I shouldn't eat that. It's like, I'm going to eat this because it's actually going to help me with my fitness and I really care about my fitness. Right. Um, yeah, I made a transition some months ago. I used to work, not even so maybe it was a little over a year ago. I used to work with clients who wanted to work with me for only nutrition. Um, mm. so I used to offer nutrition, only train a coaching training, only coaching or a combined package. And now I exclusively only offer both combined Mm. Um, because I noticed the people that were working with me for nutrition only one, perhaps didn't understand the importance of the value of focusing on their fitness as well. Like for me, it's resistance training, but really any sort of exercise, right? And so they approached health from a nutrition only standpoint, and one, a lot of them weren't eating much already. Like we can't really eat less. Like you're not eating much. You just don't move at all. Right. And then two, it's like when you approach nutrition from like only a nutritional standpoint and there's no other perhaps incentive or motivating factor, it's just tough. Right. And it's really like restrictive too. It's like, I should eat less of that food. Why?
0: Mm -hmm. Because it's just,
1: I just should eat less of it. Right. And there's no like motivating factor behind it. So I don't know, I made that transition and I've been enjoying um, doing this a lot more. And I've seen that overall, my clients are much happier with their success, right?
0: Totally, I think, um, you know, and I'm not here to speak for CrossFit, you know, I. I but one of the things that they do is they really just focus on performance. And when I talked about nutrition working for there, I never talked about losing weight directly or directly improving body comp. It was always about how many, what's your pull-ups? How's your back squat? Yeah. And it was such a nice, elegant sidestep around this mentality of like, what do I look like in the mirror? And yeah, what does yeah, the scale yeah. say? And so it's a nice it's a beautiful redirect. And it doesn't have to be CrossFit. You know, it can be it can be anything. But it's again, it's such a nice hook besides just, oh gosh, what does my body comp say?
1: Yeah. Approaching nutrition, not from wanting to lose weight even though that's going to be an outcome and it's perfectly fine to want to lose weight right but i think for most people should be focusing on because a lot of people care about health right being healthier like what should i eat to be healthier what should i eat to perform better because performance is a part of your health too right maybe we can argue that in extreme cases it's not but for most people if you get a little bit stronger you get a little bit faster a little bit more explosive you're going to be healthier and um yeah it's one thing i i talk to my clients about it's like let's focus on the things that you should be doing every day don't focus on the things you shouldn't be doing like right just make sure you do the things that you have to be doing mm-hmm. eat x amount of protein make sure you get sufficient fiber uh, these amount of servings of fruits and vegetables obviously that's different for every person but if you hyper focus on just making sure you do the stuff that you do that you need to do you'll likely do less of the stuff that you quote unquote shouldn't be doing
0: right totally Totally. Are you
1: tired of spending countless hours grocery shopping, cooking, and preparing your meals? I get it, time is precious and that's where Icon Meals comes into play. I've partnered with Icon Meals to bring you delicious, macro-friendly, and high-protein meals that will make it easier than ever for you to achieve your fitness goals. I understand that you may have hesitations over the cost of a meal prep service compared to cooking food at home. But let's face it, how often do you spend more money eating out because you didn't have time to prepare your food at home anyways? With Icon Meals, you not only save time, but you invest in your health. These meals are carefully crafted to be healthier and more in line with your fitness goals than most of the food that you eat out anyways. So why wait? Visit iconmeals.com and explore their wide array of mouth-watering meals. And as a special bonus for listening to this podcast, use code Joseph10 at checkout for a special discount off of your order. By the way, you can find all of the necessary links in the description of this podcast. Don't let time be a barrier to your success. Choose Icon Meals and fuel your journey towards a healthier, fitter you. Um, Okay, last principle here that I really want to touch on, let me open this up, is Mm -hmm. the last principle. And this one is huge, I think mainly from a longevity standpoint, not longevity, like living a long time. The longevity of like being able to adhere to all of these things long term right mm. and it's yeah. there are diminishing returns on attaining perfection yeah. i think that's beautifully said and i'd love to to hear from you um what you mean by that
0: yeah yeah i typically deal with a, a bunch of type a uh, clients personalities who kind of are always looking for more is better and i'm sure you've heard you know get one percent better every day mm. and i certainly don't want to sound like i'm not interested in self-growth or improvement yeah. But I do think there's a point at which your time and obsession on your diet is better spent elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like my goal for people is to actually stop thinking about nutrition at a certain point. You know, what's the least amount of work to get the results that you want? Okay, now let's move on. Find another hobby. <laughs> go find another sport. I don't know. Start quilting. I don't know. Cooking. Pick yeah. something. Coming from people have to... <laughs> who
1: think about this all day long.
0: <laughs> yeah. <and> like I... <laughs> go find something else to do. Um, and so yeah that's that's kind of some of it but also it's also a little bit related to i'm sure you've seen the it's from um, precision nutrition and john berardi the cost of getting lean mm-hmm. um and it's sort of a little bit along those lines as i often will also get clients who want to lean out as i'm sure you do by all standards they're lean and healthy but they might not look like the cover of a fitness magazine And so it's also realizing well we can get you there but i'm not sure that you're also aware of how much the work increases with every further step you go right and so it's just realizing you know the closer you get to the goal that you want the harder it is going to be to get there and there is probably some point for most people when you have quote arrived you're done
1: yeah you know it's funny because you answered that question from a slightly different perspective than what i was thinking about it i was thinking about it from like the idea of achieving perfection with your diet Mm. right of like because that that idea of perfection really ties into like dichotomous thinking Mm -hmm. right of like only eating these foods so i'm being Mm. perfect with my diet and never coming off of plan because anything less than perfect is unacceptable Mm. right and what i meant from a longevity standpoint is that like one the closer you try to get to perfection the less sustainable, it, it'll be right. there. There's a sweet spot there too, because you don't want to be like completely on the other side where you're not focusing on anything. But it's like, there is a lot of wiggle room to go mm-hmm. off plan and not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if you go to a wedding, just enjoy it. Right. Everybody's drinking, just have a couple of drinks. Like it's not All that right, big right. of a deal. It just the issues when these behaviors become habitual, right? Mm-hmm. And if you like, Stick to your plan 80% of the time, you're gonna get fantastic results. And that's the that's really what I was thinking about perfection. And mm. you know, I had that conversation with um God, I'm blanking on his name now. Um Man, I am blanking on his name. We were talking about him before the podcast, uh, oh. author of the book. Could you oh. help me with his name? Adam Adam Bornstein, yes.
0: There we go. I don't know how I forgot <laughs> his
1: name. Um but anyways, I was talking to Adam and, and one thing he said that really I stood out and I really like the quote was going off plan is part of the plan, oh, yeah. right? That's like good. if you want to sustainably navigate your nutrition and be healthy, you are going to make unhealthy choices every once in a while. And that should intentionally be part of your plan. Because if mm-hmm. every time you go off plan, you think you did something wrong, that's just like so stressful for no reason, right? And I yeah. shared this story with him that I experienced with a client of mine recently because it was so powerful. Um, I started working with a client of mine, a newer client of mine, probably like a month and a half, two months ago now. And he's struggled with his weight his whole life. Um, he has lost about like 20 pounds with me in the past two months, and he's been doing really, really well. And he's been fairly strict with stuff because he's like, I I really want to hone in on this. I want to be strict for a period of time. I totally understand. I'm not going to tell you not to be strict. Um, And for like two months, he had like no events at all. So he was just on point with everything. And then he was feeling pretty stressed and anxious about his brother's wedding. He's like, man, like, I don't really know how I'm going to navigate this or stay on top of my nutrition. We had a short conversation. I was like, dude, don't try to focus on that at all. Let's just set certain rules, have three structured meals. Make sure to get some protein and some veggies on those and aside from that just enjoy yourself Yeah. and he came back and it made me feel pretty emotional because he was like this is the first time in my life i've been able to go to um a party or something like that and just like not worry about food and i was like yeah like how cool is that right and it just became from awesome. a conversation of like me telling him like hey like it's it's all good it's, it's two okay. days it's like you know one percent of the total time we've been working together and you're gonna get back to it the day after and when when people like relieve themselves of that stress, um, they almost like ironically make better food choices anyways. Right, Mm -hmm. because I feel like we are tempted when we tell ourselves we can't have that. And it's like, oh man, everybody's having a drink. I shouldn't drink because alcohol is bad. It's like, oh, like I really want it now. And then like you drink anyways and then you feel bad and then like you go off the rails, right? That's like the, the behavior pattern that so many people fall into. Whereas if you think like, oh yeah, I can drink if I want. You feel like you're way more in control of your of your decisions rather than your decisions being in control of you right Mm
0: -hmm. and so if you
1: choose to have a drink you don't feel bad about it at all and then it's also way more powerful because you can just stop right like you can just be like oh i'll just have one drink and that's okay i could have two if i wanted to but i don't really want to and hey if i want to have a second drink i'll just have a second drink right um this is not an excuse for alcoholism
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna stay within the bounds there. No, I 100% agree. I mean, that's partially why the first couple steps, it's it's sort of similar to you, no surprise, but we really focus on adding foods to the diet, not taking them away. But yeah, I mean, I think perfection, you know, unfortunately, those hiccups or those weddings become the reason why people stop. And if mm-hmm. they realize that it's more important how fast you come back to it than it is that you had a hiccup like every other human out there, um, that's going to determine your success is how quickly you get back to it. Not if not if it happens or not, if it happens or not, everybody has them. <laughs> yeah.
1: And what you, the, the way you were thinking about perfection is really important to talk about too, right? And I've talked mm-hmm. about this a number of times in the podcast too. But it's like, people do not understand the sacrifices that are necessary to get to that next step. And it's like yeah. that next step is exponentially more difficult. It's not like it's a little bit more difficult. It's exponentially more difficult every single time. Right. And totally. it's so funny because you and I do this professionally and it's no different for us. Right. Mm-hmm. There is a reason I'm not single digit body fat. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: what I like to, if it didn't require me changing anything about my lifestyle. Sure. Cause it looks cool. Right. Like who wouldn't like sure. it looks, it looks badass, Right. And some people can, can achieve that genetically while like not living the healthiest lifestyle because they're lucky. Right. Um, they've been dealt. Uh, really good genetics. And unfortunately genetics obviously play a role that being said though. Um, and I'm experiencing this right now at the moment. So we're going on a cruise, my wife mm-hmm. and I, and the baby at the beginning of next month. Right? So seven weeks ago now I was like, okay, the cruise is about 10 weeks away. I'll lose some weight. I'll try to lose about 10 to 15 pounds in that timeframe, which is nothing, nothing, yeah. uh, crazy at all um I just make some slight modifications to my diet it helps the first like five six pounds came off like I wasn't even trying and now every week it's like exponentially less and less and less and less and it's just like a little bit harder and a little bit harder and I feel a little bit more hungry and I'm a little bit more tired in the gym and I am not ripped by any means right I'm just trying to get a little bit leaner because I'm going to be on a cruise in the Caribbean for a week and mm-hmm. I'm going to eat a lot on that cruise purposefully. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, then you, I have a ton of clients who are in like really good shape. They're they're mm-hmm. They look great. Right. And they're in like their fifties and they mm-hmm. have abs and they're vascular and, and they want to take it to the next level because they're competitive they want to yeah. push themselves. Um, and then I'll have clients, you know, but they don't want to change anything about their lifestyle. So it's, what's, what's the term cognitive dissonance, right? Where like you want yeah. something, but your behaviors are slightly different. And so that yep. causes so much stress, like unnecessary, like mental stress. And it's like, totally. hey, like, let's have a conversation about what sacrifices are actually necessary to achieve that. Cause we haven't talked about that at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to talk about those sacrifices and I've had that conversation a number of times with clients, I'm like, okay, like, do you wanna do that? We can do it. Right, like, exactly. You probably don't wanna do it. And they're like, yeah, you're, you're right. like. I feel good where I'm at. <laughs> and so
0: totally. Yeah.
1: It's a it's a great point that you um brought up there. The uh I go ahead. I sorry. think
0: also too, like um, you know, when you talk about the sacrifices and stuff like that, I also like to bring up the idea of, you know, what really is gonna change in your life when the scale is five pounds lighter? Besides maybe a photo on Instagram. Yeah. You know, like what Materialistically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. are we really going to get out of it? Because I think that's the other thing—you get so fixated on this look, and then you're like, "Well, I guess I would get a, you know a hundred more likes on Instagram." You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, do you want to put in that level of work for that?
1: Hey guys, some of you may not know that I'm the scientific advisor for a supplement company called Outwork Nutrition. I help with the formulation of new products to help ensure that they're effective and backed by science. Unlike many other supplement companies out there, we don't rely on exaggerated claims or flashy marketing tactics. Instead, we let the science speak for itself. We take pride in formulating products that deliver real results, helping you achieve your fitness goals in a meaningful way. If you're in the market for supplements like protein powder, pre-workout, or recovery products, make sure to check us out at outworknutrition.com. And as a thank you for being an avid listener of this podcast, use code Joey for an exclusive discount at checkout. You can find the link to our website down in the description of this podcast episode. Remember, our goal is to empower you with science-backed supplements that truly make a difference. Choose Outwork Nutrition and elevate your fitness to new heights. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like just having abs just looks cool, right? And again, I always say there's nothing wrong with that. Right, but understand what's necessary to get there. It might not be what you want to do. And then when you like want to get there but aren't getting there, it's just like so stressful and you feel bad for no reason. The last thing I want to talk about, EC, Mm. before we wrap up is Mm -hmm. something that you've brought up now a couple times, Mm -hmm. and I know you have some protocols around this. So I want to touch on them. you mentioned that you you want essentially people to do the least amount of work possible, right? So Mm -hmm. low. Um, what's the term, low barrier of entry, right? Mm-hmm. And you've developed what are called what's called the 100 gram challenge mm-hmm. and the lazy yeah. macros. I love the name, by the way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've read up a little bit on those on your website. Do you mind touching on what those are and um, why you developed those in the first place and why you really like them?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so the principles kind of form this framework of knowledge, which is great, hopefully, like, oh, these things matter. And then, you know, while interesting, it's like, the person's left with okay well now what do i do when i go walk into the kitchen and so these different diets that i've put out there are kind of my way that i like to apply it with clients and and technically those ones that you mentioned the 800 gram challenge that's step one lazy macros is a step two and ultimately there's three steps of my three pillars method and the first steps just focus on adding food to the diet the first step is adding those 800 grams and i'm talking about by weight not yeah. total amount of carbohydrate grams so 800 <laughs> grams by weight <laughs> that sometimes is misconstrued by weight. It's about six cups um, and people pick the fruits and veggies they want and they don't focus on all the other foods. They still eat other foods, but they're not restricting. And once somebody's really doing that for um, a good amount of time and making sure it's a true habit, then I would have them move on to lazy macros where they keep those fruits and veggies, but now they also add protein. And I say 0.7 grams per pound, which very close to your 0.8 grams per pound. And again, they just focus on adding those foods to the diet and the whole idea is, hey, let's attack the more underrepresented foods in our diet. We're not eating enough fruits and veggies. 80 to 90% of us aren't eating enough. So that's an easy add. And then protein, as you know, as well.
1: Yeah. And what I really like about them that ties into what you were saying about low barrier of entry is that it's simple. It Mm. doesn't hyper fixate on like specific fruits or specific vegetables or specific servings of fruits and vegetables individually. Right. It's just like, Hey, just eat this amount of fruits and veggies, which admittedly six cups can be a lot for a lot of people. Right. But like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. you encourage starting slow Mm -hmm. and working your way up and all that stuff. But I love that. It's like, it's simple because that is what people need. Mm -hmm. Like people have full-time jobs. They don't have time to focus on all of these different things. But if you could just say, Hey, just buy a food scale, weigh your fruits and veggies, fruits and veggies and eat 800 grams of them doesn't matter where they're coming from, like, this is just what you got to do every day. It's so simple, it's hard not to do.
0: Totally. And I wanted to just bring up, um, it did come from a study. So I was playing around with a couple different diet, uh, diet ideas myself of like measuring quality in the diet. And I came across a study that was looking at fruit and vegetable consumption relative to health outcomes. And it was a meta analysis. So it pulled together 95 different studies. And they found that cancer risk cardiovascular disease risk, stroke and mortality, all cause mortality risk went down when people had 800 grams of fruits and veggies in their diet. Awesome! And so because I had been playing with different diets, when I read that study, I was like, that's interesting. What if I try to eat 800 grams each day in my diet? And see what happens, and that's when I played with it for six plus months to be like, okay, what are the calories, and do I allow beans or not, and why, and what about tofu, and what about olives, and all of these other things to sort of see how the macros shake out and, and how realistic it was. Hmm. Um, and I do definitely recommend that you know if it's if people want to start smaller and work their way up, of course, sure. But I do consider it kind of a baseline because there's no chance that that study was doing all you know six foot athletic. Uh, females like myself in that study. And so it's only four to 500 calories. So I do think it's realistic for people to get to even though they might not start out there. And then I routinely eat more than 800 grams per day as 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 active and larger people will.
1: Yeah. And then how does the lazy macros work?
0: Yeah. So it's just to add that protein. And it's pretty much from the same study that we that we were talking about on the podcast with me about where they found resistance training athletes were able to kind of cap out their muscle mass additions. Um, and, and, you know, it's like 1.6 grams per kilogram body weight. And I rounded to 0. 0.7, yeah. I think you rounded to 0. 0.8, um, but I also just found that it was sustainable. You know, I found that the one gram per pound wasn't sustainable for a lot of people. So yeah. I, I really liked that kind of lower number as well. and. And yeah, people just pick the foods that they want to hit that target. Um, and they're just looking at protein grams. They're not looking at total calories. They're not looking at that stuff, but it's like, hey, let me try to get this 0.7 level with whatever protein foods that I want in addition to the weight of the fruits and veggies. Yeah.
1: And then what is the the third pillar?
0: That's when we then get a little bit, um, uh, we'll nerd out a little bit because we got to look at total calories. Yeah, And so it's kind of add fruits and veggies, add protein, adjust calories is sort of the method there. And, and yeah, that does require the most amount of work, which is, to be honest, why I go through the first steps, not only to build the habits, not only to help them like focus on addition and not restriction. But it's also heck, if we get your goals after the 800 gram challenge, we're done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, how often would you say like, people who haven't focused on these things, get closer, achieve their goals with just the first two?
0: A lot. Yeah, (laughs) a lot. because you know the stats from the usda are 80 90 of people are not eating enough fruits and veggies yeah. and 800 grams is enough that the diet has to shift if i were to say 400 grams it's easy enough that the rest of the diet doesn't really shift, shift. exactly and the same thing you know is true with protein like when you suggest that level to people they have to start making different choices it's not a gimme so both of them in my mind i don't want to say they're perfect numbers you know there's no perfect number but they're good enough in that they force the diet to shift
1: So just a personal question. Why did you choose to start with the 800 gram Mm. challenge before protein?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when we look at average protein consumption, it tends to be higher than the USDA already. Mm -hmm. It's not the 0.7, but it's already higher. And I also found in terms of just filling up, um, satiety, which you, I know appreciate that the fruits and veggies were, um, more of the low hanging fruit pun intended.
1: Yeah, because you can eat a ton of protein and still like not change your diet up much and it'd still be like pretty calorically dense, right?
0: Especially protein bars and yeah. lots of fatty cuts. Of it's meat, like, yeah. where
1: do you, you can't have like a calorically dense diet eating a ton of fruits and veggies. You just can't, no. right? And I think one of the powerful things too, is that people probably start choosing fruits as snacks,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: It's like, well, like six cups is a lot. So instead of having this granola bar, I'm just going to have an apple. Totally. You know? I wonder totally. <laughs> It's just me thinking about like how people would kind of cheat around this. Oh, thing.
0: yeah. Like picking <laughs> oh, the, yeah.
1: the most dense fruits that are just like 99% water, like 100 grams of watermelons. Probably yeah. not that hard to do. You know, you could probably do that in one sitting and like, hey, I'm done for the day. Do you have any like
0: work mm-hmm. around
1: that or do you talk to your clients about that at all?
0: I do. Um, some of that stuff, like 800 grams of watermelon and 800 grams of mango or 800 grams of pickle, thankfully, by day or three, four, people get a little sick of it. And so it sort of works itself out for the most part in that people are like, okay, I'm doing this for like health, not just to game the yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I do encourage people to just to try, you know, um, different fruits and veggies for satiety reasons, as you know. And I also allow potatoes, not commercially fried, but I do allow potatoes to count. And then also things like beans, olives, avocado. Cool. So it's like, guys, come on. Do you really only need 800 grams of watermelon? It's a little bit of that tough love.
1: I wonder what the most uh, dense fruit is by weight.
0: Oh, you mean to make it easy or you mean calorically?
1: No, but by, by weight, like unit of oh. weight per unit of area. It's probably something like watermelon. It is. Yeah, it
0: is. Watermelon's quite easy to do 800 grams. Yeah, like, man,
1: I'll eat 1600 grams.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're welcome to, I encourage, I, again, it's sort of the baseline. Yeah. And then I don't encourage more is better. I just say, Hey, if you're hungry and you yeah. eat more fruits and veggies, eat more fruits and veggies.
1: Yeah. And do you talk at all about like, this is probably complicating it a little bit much in terms of keeping keeping it super simple, but like, make sure you're having some at each meal or just Mm. get it all whenever you can.
0: I try to let that up for the individual. And that that was sort of the thing like it's even I don't even tell them cooked, canned, frozen or fresh doesn't matter. Most of the time, unless we're roasting it to a crisp, um, the weight doesn't even change that much doesn't matter. I don't care what time of day now if people are, you know, trying to do 800 grams at dinner, and they tell me they're bloated, it's like, well, you just eight, 800 grams at dinner. So let's spread it out a little yeah. bit. But that's some of the stuff that I think, um, is really hindering people in, in nutrition is they think they have to have this plan every single moment of these types of fruits and veggies and this time. And it paired with yeah. this protein. And it's like, guys, if you're stuck at the airport and there's bananas and oranges, that's a phenomenal choice. Do yeah. it. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that's great. Um, I think this is a great place to end. E.C. I really appreciate you being here. Would you mind sharing where people can find you? And if they want to work with you, how can they do so?
0: Yeah, it's just optimizemenutrition.com same handle on social media. And then my podcast is the consistency project.
1: You have really good names for all of your products.
0: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you.
1: Optimize me nutrition. That is genius. The consistency project. It's like. That's what we're trying to preach, right? Consistency. That's mm-hmm. a great name as well. And then the the okay. names of like your challenges and stuff are just really catchy and clever. Like Lazy Macros, when I saw it, I was like, this intrigues me. I have to read what this is. <laughs> so I'm not sure if there's a ton of strategy behind the naming, mm-hmm. but you've definitely chosen some, some really good names. That's cool. where I struggled with the Thank podcast. You. you see, I spent so much time thinking about podcast. <laughs> I made polls on Instagram and everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use my name because I can't figure anything out because I'm unoriginal, womp womp.
0: Good <laughs> news is you can always change it, but um, yeah. you, thank I, you I so won't. much for having me on. <laughs> I, I'll
1: keep it the same just because it is what it is at this point. But yeah. um, appreciate you a ton being here. Guys, if you do wanna check out EC, all of her links will be linked on the description of this podcast. And I highly encourage you guys to check her out on social media. She's putting out some really fantastic educational content. Again, thank you so much for being here. And we'll stay in touch.
0: Thank you so much.